Welcome to the Elevate podcast, brought to you by the Registered Master Builders. Each week we explore the ideas and practices that help us get the best from our businesses, our teams, and ourselves. I'm your host, Ryan Castle. We talk to experts, advocates, and business owners in the construction industry to share their knowledge, insights, and experiences to help you build a better business and enjoy a better life. Now let the business building begin. Andrew and Daniel from Urban Homes, so good to have you guys on the podcast. Welcome along today. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Great to be here. Yeah, look, you guys have been ticking some big awards. Uh, We'll get into those. Platinum Award winners at the Master Builders event recently. So uh, congratulations. I can tell that you have eased up on the celebrations. You're both looking crystal clear and ready to roll. So well done. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. No, it was great. Yeah. Hey, look, uh, this is a really great opportunity for our Master Builders members to really just learn more about organizations that are being successful in our Master Builders community. So I wonder if you guys might uh, lead off with a bit of background. How did how did Urban Homes get started and give us a bit of sense of the journey so far? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, thanks for having us, Ryan. But I guess uh, Urban Homes uh, was started uh, back in 2004 by myself and my wife, Bronnie. And so uh, I'm a builder by trade. And so I uh, have always um, loved building and, um, you know, creating something. And so did my apprenticeship. And then 2004, we, um, we started out in partnership first couple of years um, and, and then sort of um, split off to, to Bronnie and I, and, and we've taken it ever since. And so been through a few cycles, you know, we went through to sort of 2008-9 um, GFC then, and, and that was certainly challenging, but we've had an, an amazing sort of 18-year journey and um, we, the industry has been amazing for us. And uh, I, I love working in the industry. You, you meet, uh, you know, amazing people. Um, but it's also been amazing for me personally um, and sort of my growth around, you know, coming from builder through to um, things such as sort of project management, QSing, and then now to sort of um, operating a, a sort of reasonable sized business. So it's, it's certainly pushed me and, and forced me to grow. It's been a, a great um Great journey, and, and we're constantly learning. And Daniel, give us some insight. When you very first started Urban Homes, did you have a vision for what it would become, mm. or were you like, "Let's let's get started, and we'll figure it out as we go"? No, well, we started out the classic, um, the Toyota Hiace and the and the tools and the, the dog and the van. I, I really had a focus for quality and doing things right, but also at the same time, I guess I saw a lot of um, how not to operate, and and a lot of it came down to not so much the quality, whilst that was important. Often it was how people um, dealt with with clients or dealt with challenges and communicated and things. And I think um, in construction, I think we've gotten better, but we still, I think it's, a ser- it's certainly an area where I really wanted to put a strong focus on that customer relationship piece um, and really put a bit of focus around that. So that's been really important. And again, not, not something we get right every time, um, but it's been a big focus of Urban. So. Did I expect it to be building what we're doing now and um, the size? No, absolutely not. I We just focused on doing a good job. Um, I guess looking back, I probably had a bigger passion for growing a business and growing people, and that probably led us to sort of, you know, that growth path, I guess. Thanks, Daniel. And Andrew, let's bring you to the conversation. Hmm. Uh, can you just give us a bit of a scope of the understanding of Urban now, like how many people are involved 
Um, do, you, do you know how many homes you've built to date? Uh, you know, some of those kind of just to give our audience a bit of an understanding of the size that you're, you guys are at. Yeah, so um, we're a team of, of just over 100. Um, and so we're primarily, we operate Waikato, uh, South Auckland area and up into the Coromandel. Um, and so, yeah, over the last over the last few years, I think at the moment, um, like a lot of businesses, we've we've kind of had a, had a pretty high peak just off the back of... Uh, off the back of the last 12 months. And so we kind of peaked in about October with about 110 builds under construction, um, um, which is, which is that's a, it's a, it's a fair amount for our project managers to manage. And so that's, that's been, that's been building up. I remember when I, when I started and we kind of went through that, that first initial um, probably six months and then we hit that COVID period. And I remember coming out the back end of COVID, it was, it was kind of, everyone was like, right, let's just get everything started. Let's, you know, let's get all the builds underway as we possibly can. I remember at the time uh, we celebrate, we were, we were kind of getting up, up jumping up and down because we were celebrating, you know, 40 builds under construction, um, which was massive for us. Um, at that point and then it's kind of just every year we've just seen that number um, progress and grow and so there's been there's certainly challenges with with that but it is that com- coming down to going you know um, how do you marry up both quality and volume at the same time indeed yeah thanks for that and Andrew when did you join the business oh I joined September what three years ago three, three and a half years ago mm. or so um, it was a bit of a trial by fire um, I think I joined and then Dan went. Dan about a month later went overseas for eight weeks, and then uh, told me that he was moving to Tauranga um, when he came back. So it was a it was a bit of fun, but no, it's it's such an awesome um, industry to be a part of. Um, building yeah, sector. nice. So Dan, you take a bit of a sink or swim approach to uh, management development. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I think the line was, "Hey, I'm going to chuck you in the deep end. Mm-hmm. I, I probably won't let you drown, but I'm going to chuck you in the deep end." And how's that experience been for you, Andrew? I think you you look at that first that first season of you know really having to dive in and that transition from owner operator and Dan, who you know up to that point, like we had just come through. I think I started, and my first interaction in the first kind of month and a half was that we went up to the nationals um, and won show home of the national show home of the year and the um, national special award, and and that was kind of it was a really good I suppose setting moment for me of going okay. Like we we do quality, we do high standard, we expect a lot, and we 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 deliver that. And so I suppose it was it was kind of a bit cheeky of Dan. I don't think he necessarily planned it like that to kind of you know really set that standard of what urban is and what he wants urban to be moving forward. And so that transition was was a lot of a lot of interesting times, and there was a lot of phone calls naturally between me and Dan as we kind of transitioned from. Um, Dan kind of running it, doing everything, um, being a bit of jack of all trades, to really stepping back and going. Dan going right. You're doing the day to day, and I'm looking at the you know the operation or the sorry the strategy of where we're heading, what we're doing, the bigger picture stuff. Um, and so it's worked really well. We're me and Dan are polar opposites in so many ways, mm. um, but it's nearly because of that it works really well. Um, but it was it was a trial by fire. I think um, the at the start the difficulty was was Dan heading off and then moving to Tauranga, and then we got hit by COVID, and then it just kind of mm. every year has been something a different a different challenge. So lots of learning. And as they say, never waste a crisis, right? And we get <laughs> lots of learnings no. through, our, uh, through our crises. Um, mm. Some of them are pretty hard earned, but there uh, are some pretty good good lessons. Mm. Uh, guys, I'm interested, you've talked about quality and I feel like it's a word that people throw around a lot. Mm. I'm interested in kind of your definition. What do you guys talk about with your team when it comes to, it comes to quality? And maybe do you have a sense of what it is that you do differently that uh, keeps that level of quality for you? You're dead right. There's so many different ways to define that in terms of, you know, when you're talking about quality, where does that, where does that sit? You know, Dan mentioned before around 
there's the quality of the build, but actually the quality of the experience. And that's where for us, you know, we, we talk about, we talk about our, our branding being urban homes, but there's a tagline that comes underneath that, you know, homes built with integrity. And, and that's really critical. You know, we, Dan's talked about it many times within the business of going, you, when we put that word integrity in that, in that branding is it wasn't, it wasn't just a, a what's a great word that sounds good is it really holds you to a standard. And so for us, integrity, and when you talk about quality, it actually starts at the very first interaction of someone walking into one of our show homes. It's every interaction they have with our designer. It's every interaction they have with our QS, our project manager, um, you know, the front of house when they come in and right through that handover is going, you know, if you're delivering um, a standard and a quality standard in terms of the interactions with with the business at every at every level, then you can you can hold your trades to account. You can hold um, your you know your team, your builders, all of those things to a standard because you set it right at the very beginning, and nearly the expectations of the clients drive that quality all the way through. So if you if you do a subpoor, you know, uh, I suppose introduction to the business and a subpoor process for stars, you might not might not get them building with you, but if they do. You're not going to get that quality through. Whereas I think our clients set that expectation for us as well as us setting it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that, that we talk about quite regularly in the team is going, take a step back, and if you've got an issue, take a step back and put yourself in the in the client's shoes. Put yourself in the shoes of of the person um, you know building the house and going like, would you would you expect this of your own of your own build? Um, if this was your own house, how would you handle it? How what, would you accept that? Um, you know that defect? No, you wouldn't. So, so we we get it right, and that comes down to um, that. You know that that's kind of where quality come from. It has to be backed by integrity, and that's everybody. And that's not just one person going. You know, I'm good at, at defecting a house. It's actually every single person along the way. Hey, Andrew, great insights on quality there. Um, Dan, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I think, and, and this is where it really does come back to. Uh, you know, the story around the awards is, you know, over the years we've been entering the awards since 2010 and every year at the sort of completion of the uh, awards nationals, you, you get sent out all the judging criteria and the results and things like that. And so we actually take that time to scrutinise that. And out of that, we've developed some fairly rigid sort of quality assurance systems to actually you know, it's all very well to go, look, we deliver quality, we deliver quality, but it doesn't happen by accident. Mm. And especially when you get to volume, like we talk around sort of 110 builds under construction, which uh, in any business is a lot, but for the types of homes we build, that is a lot. It's um, It requires a lot of management. It requires um, some fairly rigid sort of process around, you know, what are those key areas that if we don't get right, really can be sort of quite detrimental to the to the end result. So we've developed systems off the back of that judging criteria to ensure that, hey, look, if we follow these, um, we're, we're pretty much, it's, it's not going to happen by accident. It actually is proven. And, and that's a constant learning cycle in that we don't just do it, you know, I look at some of the entries we had four or five years ago in terms of national awards. I do wonder whether they'd make it through the nationals today. The, the, the quality has has gone through the roof in terms of, um, you know, the, the builders out there are, are amazing and the work that's been delivered across the country is, is first class. And so for us, like if we don't continually improve, we'll eventually get left behind. And so we talk around that all the time as like not actually – it's easy when you you sort of have a win or you you know you get some great client feedback to actually kind of almost you know believe your own hype in terms of hey we're better than maybe what we are because hey we're not and 
every job is not great for us. There's areas that we go, flat, we could do that better. It's actually about being real and actually having the, the right people to actually, and that's that humility and that integrity piece to actually go, yeah, nah, we're good there, but here, here, and here, we could actually be a lot better. And this is what we're going to do to do that. And mm-hmm. so it's it's been open to learn and grow. Um, yeah. And I think it's easy for organizations to put words on the wall, like integrity, like trust, like you know, value, all these kind of maybe standard words that uh, organizations uh, are happy to put on the wall. It's when you uh, have to live them that it makes the difference. And I find a good test for whether you live them is normally when it's going to cost you money to live your value. Do you have an example of where you guys have been prepared to, uh, you know, reduce the the profit on a job to live your live your value of integrity? Probably the thing for us is is that we you know we operate um, we operate on fixed price fixed price model, and so for us you know there's hey we especially over the last twelve months we would have loved to have that cost fluctuations clause in the in the contract, um, but we didn't. Probably the part of that as well is even in part of the conversations we're having with our clients is. You know, we know that we're we know that at times, you know, we get hit pretty hard by by the cost fluctuations and things like that. But our clients, in their own in their own worlds, in their own businesses, whatever, they're also they're also faced with that. And so it's kind of it's it's a two part. Is it's it's not it, it's acknowledging um, our part to play and owning that from an integrity perspective of going that this is right is right. Um, and wrong is wrong, but also having the empathy to have that conversation with your client as well to to go, hey, we're all on the same page here. We're all we're all trying to deliver. We're trying to deliver you a beautiful home. We're trying to um, live up to the to what we what we promise to and everything we do. But some of that is about having a real conversation, um, and especially you know some of the biggest challenges of going, well, what do you do when you get a call up and go, hey, that that product, that cladding you had ordered isn't going to arrive next week. It's going to be six months away. Um, you know, I can tell you that we've had, we've had that in you know. Having a real conversation with the client and going, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna swap that out for a different cladding, and it's gonna cost Urban more, but we're committed to delivering a home that not only you love but you're proud of, and is gonna be something that you live in for for years, and it's gonna be intergenerational. All of those things, um, you know. I suppose for us, as it's going, it's it's not urban houses, it's urban homes, and a home and a house are, are quite different concepts. Good, good answer. I think it's uh, definitely living the values, that example. So uh, thanks for sharing. Um, let's turn our attention to the Platinum Award. It's no small feat. Uh, you guys are awarded this at the National House of the Year competition in November. Um, to even be eligible, you have to have uh, achieved outstanding building excellence and won five or more national category awards. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, this is these these are not handed out like lollies. These ones, right? You've got to we've got to earn them. It's a, a fantastic achievement. Uh, so, firstly, congratulations. Um, Mm. And we know the amount of effort that goes into building and sustaining a successful business. What do they say? If you win an award once, it might be luck. But if you if you do it consistently, then there's something clearly uh, distinguishing to you behind the scenes. So um, well done. I'm interested in your guys' reflection on the award. What did it mean to you? What do you feel it uh, meant to the team? And do you have a, a sense of... Uh, what mostly contributed to those, uh, you know, the multiple awards resulting in the platinum? Well, I think first and foremost, um, this award absolutely belongs to our team. Whilst Andrew and I were there to accept, I would have loved to have had our whole team there because it really does, um, the amount of people that have gone into delivering all of our homes, but more specifically, I guess, those ones that have won awards over the years and and made it not just through regionals but through it to that national level that's been a lot of work 
and uh, a lot of, uh, you know, builders um, to project managers to behind the scenes, you know, colours, QSs, uh, finance, range of people to, to, to build a successful home. And so I think that's, it means a lot and it shows, you touched on it, Ryan, it's sort of like that consistency and um, doing it over years. And, and everyone's always told us you sort of, you can't, you can't have volume and, and quality and hey, look, there is the tension there. Absolutely. There's a massive tension. It was one of my biggest concerns as we started to grow fairly rapidly was how do we how do we retain that? But if you're true to your core and you're actually like going, nah, that is so important, do we get it right all the time? Absolutely not. But we are remain focused and committed to that. And that's that's sort of, it runs in our blood at Urban. Um, it's in our DNA of going like, we we are committed to doing a great job. So getting that recognition um, from a platinum award from your industry peers um, is is outstanding. It's a massive credit to our team. Eh? And I'll probably just to add to that, you know, one of the, one of the areas that, you know, Dan's pr- pretty relentless on and, and, you know, Dan's a great builder in his own right. Um, he's mm. not, so, not so much on the tools anymore. Uh, well, not at all. <laughs> um but one of the things that he constantly challenges me, he constantly cha- challenges our construction team along the way is going, any one of our homes could be a home that we consider for the house of the year. Like we don't come into it with this aspect of going, oh, we see a house and we go, oh, yeah, that, we're going to put extra effort into that one because we're going to put that forward for the house of the year. We we sit down at a time tri- um, towards the end of the year, and we've done this for our, for our, you know looking at the next year's um, awards is is going. We put all, we bring up all the builds and we go through them all and we go what one what ones do we think really showcase in terms of from a design aspect and all those things um, the quality and, and what we're trying to put forward to the market. And so the the challenge that we have on on for any of our our builders is if there's something not right there, it's gonna it's gonna be found out because we go through an inspection process of all those homes and so. Expectation for our team is, you know, you should be building every house as though it's an award winner, and so that's the quality that we try and we try and deliver for our team, but also for our trades. And so it means that at times um, we can probably be the the grumpy project managers on site um, when things aren't up to the standard. But we just know that if you if you're not getting that quality right at the very beginning, all the way through. It's you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to you know get that at, at the you're not gonna be recognised at the regional or at the national at the national level, and so for us it really starts right at the beginning and kind of going we don't have specific homes that we go that's a that's an award winner we go they all should be um, in their own right. Good insights. When I was at the uh, House of the Year, I was amazed about the sense of community that was at the awards. It, it genuinely felt like the Master Builders members were coming together as a group. Uh, there was a lot of celebration. You saw people that were nominees but not award winners just like clapping with joy for the for the winners. Um, it really felt like a good sense of community. From your guys' perspective, what does it mean to be Master Builders members for you? We joined back in 2010. We were with another association prior and I mean, we kept getting asked, you know, um, are you registered master builders? And so that was one thing. It's it's recognised in us. It's a well-recognised brand um, in the market and it gives people confidence. That is something that has value to us and, and um, that's important. The awards are, are great because, again, it just it just adds confidence and tests us. Yeah, the, the association's been great for us over the years and great for our clients. Fantastic. Thanks, Dan. And, guys, you weren't just happy with winning uh, your Platinum Award. Uh, one of your team, Chris Foy, one of your apprentices, also picked up the Waikato uh, Apprentice of the Year. Uh, so it's great to see not only the 
uh, results of all the efforts resulting in House of the Year and Platinum Awards, but you're clearly investing in your team. Um, tell us about what you think about uh, people uh, as we grow organizations and you've gone from a small startup to a hundred plus person organization mm-hmm. doing over a hundred builds concurrently. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people factors that go into an organization like that. And I can even hear some of our listeners going, oh my God, imagine managing that many people. Um, <laughs> give us give us your insights, guys, on how you how you think about people in your organization, how you invest in them. What what are, what are your people mean to you? Yeah, um, I think people are are your biggest joy and biggest frustration all at the same time. Mm. Um, and I think the, the the challenge that the challenge that we work through is that you know we're with running a kind of an end to end building building company where you know we're doing we do our own designs, we do our own QSing, we do our own project management, and we've got our own building crews. Um, there's so many different different ways that you have to kind of manage them. Um, you know, it's very different managing a team on the ground, actually building the house compared to in the office, designing a house as an example. And so like for us, we kind of go, we just have to be consistent. We have to be consistent in the way we we, we act. We have to be consistent in the way we, um, we treat our staff. Culture is everything. And you mentioned before around, you know, values being, you know, being on the wall. It's it's quite interesting. I think if you went around our team and you said, you know, what is what are our values, um, they'd be able to tell you, you know, our humble, hungry, smart, you know, how we how we operate as a team as, you know, being an ideal team player, that sort of thing. They'll be able to tell you that and they'll be able to tell you what it means. But if you ask them where is where is it on the wall, I I I don't know whether they'd be able to tell you where it is on the wall, um, and that's for us. As we know, I know that's on the wall. I can, you know, sometimes you walk past it and you see the humble, hungry, smart on the wall. But um, we really strive for not letting our values just be that, be something that we go, you know, it has to. It's, it's just on the wall, and it's you know something we refer to from time to time. Um, where there's been a lot of emphasis, and hey, we don't get it right all the time, but there's a lot of emphasis on going. How do you make um, actions? Well, how do you make values? You know, action. Like in, in action, that's what becomes culture. So when you live out your when you live out your uh, your values, and it's kind of that old adage is you know you are the sum total of every decision you make. So the more decisions as a business that you make that are aligned to your to your values, that's the culture that you're going to live out. And we go well if our culture is you know delivering an amazing experience, delivering delivering quality, you know. Um, Looking at our awards and going, how do we continue to to challenge ourselves? Is you actually have to do actions that support that. Um, but yeah, Chris, hey, he's he's fantastic. It's quite funny. Um, I, I caught up with him not too long ago, and he was and he he helped me telling the story. But um, I was I was showing him a deck that I'd built, and the first thing he did is he looked at it and he said, "Oh, I'd, I'd probably would have done that differently." And you know, you'd, that that detail's a bit interesting. And he was really and just he went into that that zone of. For him, is you know the quality and actually being proud of what he does is really important, and we love showcasing that. And so we look at that in, at different industry standards in terms of you know for our designers and things like that. Is how can we showcase the excellence that we believe that um, they portray every day? And so part of that as well is that is giving them opportunities. You know we've got um, we've got builders that are now in our drawing in our team. We've got we've had different ones that start off in building and now they're project managing. And so part of that is kind of fostering a a, a culture yeah. that gives opportunities to our team. Mm. Um, and so that's really important. And we go, well, if we if we can have a team that are here for a long period of time, well, that's just more um, more space for them to, you know, invest back into the business and for us to invest back into them. Good insights. Thank you. Um, guys, we're at an interesting time in the market, property market in New Zealand. Uh, you've obviously got a very big uh, pipe of work that you're delivering right now. Um, maybe I'll bring this question to Dan. You've been through a recession having started in 2004. You've seen 2008. What are the what are the lessons you're reflecting on for that time to just be more prepared and 
Uh, I'm always reluctant to uh, talk up words like recession too much because they think they can also be a, they become your reality if you talk about them too much. Mm. But interested that from a business owner perspective, how how do you bring the lessons from a previous change in cycle uh, to this time now? We've got to be careful not to sort of operate out of a level of fear, but at the same time, I, I think it's safe to say we are coming into a recession. Um, and so... I think the business owners that uh, eyes wide open and don't have heads in the sand will, will be um, well positioned to navigate, you know, the next 12 to 18 months that we have ahead of us, particularly in construction. I mean, looking back, 2008, I, I vividly remember uh, we used to meet at a local McDonald's. We were a team of around 16, mostly builders at the time. And we, we used to meet at McDonald's at seven on a Monday morning, sort of do a bit of health and safety and planning for the week and disperse from there. And, all our guys had left and um, I, I hadn't told them, but we'd just lost our second contract in the space of a couple of weeks. And I literally had five days worth of work ahead of me. And, you know, like these guys are guys with young families, they've got mortgages, all that goes through your head and you're just like, far out, what, what am I going to do? I've never lost that feeling. I've, I remember it like it was yesterday because it was, it was a sinking feeling. And hey, look, we, we had to shake the trees. We had to uh, reach out, split into a bit of commercial and do a range of different things. But at the same time, it's, it's probably something that, you know, we grew out of it. And so we we looked internally, we uh, intro, introduced and implemented processes and systems that in some cases we're still using to this day. We really honed in on um, how we did what we did and utilised the time wisely around operating a, a streamlined and efficient business. And so, um, you know, the commercial lessons I learned along the way were amazing um, around obviously knowing that, hey, it could turn at any time, um, but also just honing the business. And I think that's kind of, the approach we're taking at this point is um, we're expecting it to be pretty bad in the next 12 months. We'll plan for the worst and hope for the best, but at the same time, like using it wisely. And we've been so busy as most building companies have been for the last couple of years and sort of just scrambling and, you know, chasing your tail that it's kind of nice to have a bit of breathing space to actually reassess um, look at how we do what we do, tweak process and just, you know, bit of a reset. I think the industry needs that too. Um, there's been some, you know, we've all seen the, the price increases that have come over the last or well, 18 months or so, and in some cases just got out of hand. And so we, we, we need to have this. Um, unfortunately, it's just, it's not going to be easy. And um, we've got to I think we've just got to navigate it together and the smart businesses will come out the other side stronger. Um, but yeah, look, it's it's not going to be easy. And I like your thoughts there around uh, when you are you know, slightly less uh, pushing the capacity, you can do things like sit back and look at systems. You can look at process. You can yeah. go, this is a good opportunity to train our people. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can utilize things like the Elevate uh, training on the Master Builder site to yeah. bring your people up to speed and increase skills. So, mm. um, yeah, I think there's there's always a way to think about how you can use that time most productively if you're not uh, running 110%. Yeah, 100%. There's opportunities too for, you know, we're, we're talking with our team at the moment too around a bit of, sort of cross-functional things. So, you know, we may have to get to a point where, you know, you, you, you're splitting your role between two. You know, you might have a project manager um, on a couple of build sites as well, and then you may have, you know, splitting in other roles as well. And so that's a great opportunity for upskilling, um, for um, process improvement, for learning. And so 
um, like anything, it may not be easy, but certainly, um, you know, I think it's no different to sport. You probably lose, you, you learn a lot more out of a loss than you do out of a win. And so I think this is certainly something that we will come out the other side stronger, as a lot of businesses will, but it, it, it won't be easy. Yeah. What do they say? Winners go to the pub and losers have meetings. <laughs> We're having lots of meetings at the moment. So, <laughs> Like you say, that's where the lessons are. Yeah, absolutely. Good one. And Dan, picture yourself, you're uh, an old man, you're on your rocking chair um, somewhere in the beautiful Bay of Plenty and you're reflecting back on what you're most proud of uh, achieving with Urban. What do you think that will be? I think it comes back to like, we, you know, Andrew touched on a little bit around sort of the growth within the business. So we've seen, um, I can think of a couple right now that are in roles that they didn't start out with in Urban. They started out in other roles and they've sort of progressed and um even gone away, got training, come back into different areas. That for me is actually super rewarding. And I love seeing potential unlocked. I love um, the fact that the business, a business like ours that's growing, um, allows growth in individuals because it's done it for me. Um, I'm, I'm just a builder and it's, it's literally, it's forced me to be better. It's forced me to grow. It's forced me to, to get training outside of, um, you know, just our industry. And so <clears throat> I think seeing that in our individuals, probably the one of the things that gives me the biggest kick is when I see team members within our team flourishing. And that's that's awesome. And how that might play out practically might be that urban is across across, you know, a wider part of the New Zealand. Um, I'd love to share what we have um, with with other partners and we're sort of looking at a franchise where well, we are rolling out a franchise model over the next sort of 12 to 18 months. And so if I'm an old man sitting on my deck chair, um, you know, it'd be great to see duplicates of this business across the country. Great. And Andrew is a general manager who gets to deal with all the um, fun and challenging things on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> if you could have a magic wand that would just sort one thing out for you, what would, what would you use it for? Only one, gosh. Um, how, uh, how ruthless am I allowed to be? Um, Very. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, you know, I look at I look at the last 12 months and, you know, I'd, I'd go, if there's one thing that constantly has come up has been, you know, the, the and it is probably, is probably, to be fair, probably councils. Um, and that just comes down to, you know, is waving magic wand and going, you know, how do we, how do we streamline some of that process? How do we make, get the best outcome that's logical in some, in some situations, I think. You know, and that's not so much me. That's just seeing our team, um, the, sh- the frustration that it's caused for them along the way. And hey, you know, I think the volume of the industry has probably caused that. To be fair, oh, and look, it's a it's a common challenge. Uh, I did a Chiefs Chat podcast with David Kelly, um, CR of Master Builders, a mm. um, couple of weeks ago, and they're doing a lot of work in that zone, working mm. with MB, working with the councils, really trying to figure out how do we how do we streamline this because I'm sure the the councils themselves are not enjoying the the process. Mm. They'd like to find an easier and better way, um, mm. as would our Master Builders members. So um, mm. yeah, I'm 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 fresh out of magic wands right at the moment but as soon as they come <laughs> back into stock Andrew I'll send one your way and you can sort that out no excellent and, and to be fair on it hey you know we have conversations with them and they want the same as us um, and that's pretty awesome but hey I do you know do credit master builders in that you know there's been times over the last 12 months and kind of any advice that I'd give to um, you know anybody any builders listening to this that have those struggles is reach out to your local um, regional reps um, just sometimes even having that soundboard you know over the last couple of years kind of from myself not having the same level I suppose necessary as experience as Dan in the building industry coming into it having, having master builders that you you can give a call up and go, hey, I've got this situation. I don't need you to 
to fix it, but I just want your your advice or that sort of thing from kind of your local muscles rep is, is massive. Even your you know even the president and things mm. like that in the in the local region super supportive. Mm. Great, and guys, to uh, close out the podcast, we're always. Uh, interested in how people deal with their mental wealth and you know it's a big challenge for us in the building industry what do you guys do to uh, manage the the stress load i think you've just got to be smart about you know um i had it described to me as that you know uh, mental health is like credit card debt yeah every time every time something comes up whether it be you know a lockdown a shutdown you know whatever it is a crisis a client complaint yeah you're swiping your credit card and most of the time as kiwis we're pretty crap at um we pay the principal we sit down on the on the couch you know we have a coke we have a beer and watch some netflix and we don't actually pay back the the credit card principal and so you know it's we, we talk about as a team going you know make sure you're doing things that you love outside of that for me hey i love a bit of woodwork um i've got i've got um teenagers and a, and a young and a young um, boy at the moment as well and so making sure that you're actually doing quality time um it's not necessarily quantity but it's quality so yeah, yeah. B- building the odd reasonably substandard deck according mm. to uh chris yeah yeah 100 <laughs> percent yeah, I think ben, how about that, you? yeah. To add to that, I mean, I personally, I I'm a runner, so I I like just getting out and having a run. It clears the air, clears the mind, and often I'll solve a lot of problems. And um, got a notepad that I jump onto as soon as I get home. But that's sort of practically for me. But I, I think as an industry, I w- I would love to see you know a, a bit more open dialogue between builders, between competition around just the challenges. Like I've spoken to a couple lately. Um, uh, other housing groups and hearing the challenges they face, we're all facing the same things, all facing the same things. And sometimes it's very quick as a business owner to, you, you start to lose confidence. You start to think, well, what am I doing wrong? Um, you know, like it, it can be a lonely space. And so just sharing, I, I would love to see a bit more of that. I think that would be a really, really healthy thing. And it's it's a challenge because, you know, the building industry is a competitive industry, um, especially coming into the next, um, a softening market. But I think, man, like if we can just share a little bit more of the challenges, um, learn off each other, you know, um, some of the challenges that we face, we're, we're all facing the same stuff. And so um, I, I think I'd love to see more of that. And I think that's an area that master builders can help. There's definitely Absolutely. local branches where you can connect. Um, mm-hmm. We do, we've got webinar series coming up in the new year around a whole bunch of uh, topics um, and always open to uh, other topics you guys are interested in and uh, having us bring to the, to the market. So um, cool. yeah, good, good idea. And then I think always the, the powerful one is just connecting with a bunch of people that are local, you know, awesome. meeting at, meeting at the cafe once a, once a month, right. And having the, having the chat yep. through can be pretty powerful for, uh, uh, individuals also totally yeah absolutely hey guys let's wrap the podcast there thank you so much for joining me today congratulations mm. uh, t- on your award uh, but more importantly congratulations for what you've built behind it that has resulted in the in the award you're a uh, a fine example for the master builder members around the country uh, keep up the great work and I mm. uh, hope you guys have a nice relaxing break yeah Excellent. hey thanks for having us Ryan yeah thanks Ryan privilege pleasure guys